has definitely been a week. It's been a tough past few weeks. Um, most recently in New York, we all were startled by what took place in Buffalo. And uh, I moved to Texas, I mean, I moved to New York from Texas, so to hear the news about what happened in Texas was also very startling. And what's interesting is, and if you've been paying attention, nothing quite brings people together like the feeling of grief. There aren't too many human experiences that we can say we collectively unite around. Our response to tragedy often compels us, even the most diametrically opposed individuals tend to stop and grieve together. We've all just experienced a unified experience of grief across our nation and all week we've heard the groanings over another senseless shooting in our country. No matter where you land politically, religiously, socially, we all unite in the suffering that events like these have caused. And creation has been longing for the day where there is no more suffering, no more mourning, and no more pain. We're all looking at a world that is longing and hoping for something that ultimately can only come from one source. No policy, no law, no regulation, no legislation can provide the freedom and the peace that we all desperately are seeking. And we as believers are waiting patiently for the one who can and will fulfill this hope. Today we wrap up our series of the fulfilled life. A lot of this sermon series has been about justification, how through our faith in Jesus, he has made us right with God. And because we've been made right with God, he has granted us access to many blessings just because we're connected to him. And today I just wanted to end off this Fulfilled Life series talking about the freedoms that we have because we've been made right and we now have access to all of these blessings. And the beautiful thing about freedom is we have freedoms that we experience today and we have a freedom that we're waiting for tomorrow. So you can experience freedom today, but as believers, we have a hope for an ultimate freedom tomorrow. In our text, I want to give you three freedoms that we experience today through Christ. These three freedoms should bring you joy and gratitude each day as we look forward to the freedom of tomorrow. Now, if you go with me to Romans chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 1. Romans chapter 8. And before I read it, I just want to kind of set the stage as Paul was unpacking this concept of justification. We see at the end of Romans 7, he starts to wrestle with this war between the flesh and the spirit. Because we declare ourselves to be free, but we don't often feel free because of the law that our flesh is still bound to. He even calls himself a wretched man and he says, who will free me from this? But then in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, we start to see a victorious response. Romans 8, chapter 1. 
And it says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you. We're going to uh, open the doors of the church. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. But that scripture is that good. It's that good. It's one of those where I really don't need to preach anything else. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life has done what? Set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Last verse, verse four. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Dear God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this scripture. We thank you for removing distractions. And right now we pray that you would remove me out of the way and that your spirit would speak to us, God. We know that we can only understand what your spirit reveals. So I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth and that we would be able to have joy because of the freedom that you have given us in Christ Jesus. Everyone who agree with this prayer say amen. 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 Jordan and I, my wife, we just came back from a luxurious vacation in the Caribbean. Um, and it was an amazing time. Um, one thing about traveling abroad, because I'm actually from Kansas, so I, um, I'm actually a farm boy and I haven't been much of anywhere. So when I get to leave the country, it's always amazing. And um, I'm always fascinated by the challenge of adapting to a foreign culture. When you enter into a different country, you immediately feel the shock of the different language, the different rules, the different customs. You automatically stand out as a foreigner. There were people who I thought were American who looked like me. I'm like, okay, here go a black dude. Let me say, what's up, brother A? And he was like, hola. I was like, whoa, what, what just happened here? And I realized that I stood out as someone who was foreign to this area. The rules were different, the language was different, and it was a challenge of embracing what was foreign to me. And what's crazy about our life in Christ is, though we are made free, freedom is foreign to our flesh. So a lot of times we worship and we praise and we get taught about this freedom we have, but we're still in this flesh that freedom isn't quite familiar to. So just like me in a new country, I have to learn to embrace this new life. This fulfilled life in Christ is unfamiliar to me now. And as we enter into this fulfilled church series after this fulfilled life series, we're going to talk a lot about the process of sanctification the becoming more like Christ, the embracing what was once foreign. But before we do that, let's talk about these freedoms we have in Christ. The first freedom we have, are you still with me in the text? Okay, the first freedom we have, we are free from the punishment of sin. We are free from the punishment of sin. Verse one says, there is therefore no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. This means the punishment of sin that was brought by the law no longer applies to those who are in Christ. We have been made right with God and have been granted every blessing and promise under this covenant. And it says, verse 2, for the law of the spirit has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. And the law of sin and death was familiar with us. Because in this text, when you hear law, you think rule. But this is actually talking about the power and authority of sin over your life. So the power of the spirit have set you free from the power of sin. But this freedom, like I said before, it's foreign and it has to be embraced. And not only that, it has to be protected because the enemy knows what freedom you have in Christ. The enemy knows the power of the spirit that dwells in you. So since the enemy no longer has you on his side, his strategy now is to lie to you and prevent you from embracing this fulfilled life in Christ. Have you ever heard a message about forgiveness, but you still went home and wrestled with guilt and shame? As a Christian, as someone you know that Jesus washed away your sins, forgave everything you've done, your past, present, and your future is covered by the blood of Jesus. But why do I still feel guilty? Why am I still ashamed? When I make mistakes, why do I feel like I don't deserve this love that my pastor keeps teaching me about? How come when I worship, I feel like I don't fight, I don't, I don't quite measure up to the worthiness of this experience? It's because the enemy wants to lie to you about this freedom. If I could just do a whole message on this, I would. But not only do you have to embrace this freedom, you need to protect this in your heart. You need to tell yourself every day. I am free from the punishment of sin. I am free from the condemnation that should come from the sin that I've committed. My father, his name is Charles. My grandfather, his name is Charles. I'm Charles III. But most of my life, my dad went by his middle name, Marcus. And one day, I just asked him, because I, I was one of those kids where it's like, if it's not right, I'm going to ask a question. I was like, Dad, my name is Charles. Your name is Charles. Papa's name is Charles. But why does everybody call you Marcus? And one day, he was just honest with him, and he, he said, son, when I became an adult, me and your grandfather had some issues. Because... Yes, your name is Charles, my name is Charles, and his name is Charles. But his name is Charles, and that Charles has bad credit. <laughs> and that Charles likes to use this Charles's name to buy stuff and open credit cards and do all this luxurious stuff because he has bad credit, but I have good credit. And he was able to use my name to gain access to things that he did not qualify for. Ooh. How many of us know that we're more similar to my grandfather than we are my father? 
In this Christian fulfilled life, we have gained access to so many blessings. We've gained access to so many promises. We are benefiting from so many freedoms and it's not because of our name. It's not because of our record. It's not because we lived so good. It's not because we're so good of a person, but it's because of the name in which we were saved. Yes, I'm gaining things and I'm experiencing things that I'm not good enough for, but it's not by my name. It's by his name. So the same way my grandfather was able to access so many things because he used the name of the son. We have freedom, blessings, and promises. Not because of how good we were, but because of the name of God's holy son. Well, if I had an organ, I would have ran on that one. <laughs> the band will come up in a little bit. The first freedom. We are free from the punishment of sin. Let's keep going. Verse 3 through 4. The second freedom we have is we are free from the power of sin. We were first free from the punishment of sin. But now we need to realize we are free from the power of sin. Verse 3, I want to read to 4a. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. The law had the power to reveal to us the fullness of God's holiness and the fullness of our sinfulness. Listen to what I just said. The power of the law was to show us how holy God is and how sinful we are. The scripture says that the law was like a mirror that showed us who God was and showed us who we were. That was the power of the law. But what happened when we saw how sinful we are, the flesh was actually empowered to be more powerful over us. So what the law could not do, God had to send his son to do in the likeness of the very flesh that we see in the mirror. And instead of us being condemned by sin, he in the flesh condemned sin in order that that requirement that we could not reach. I think I'm preaching better than what's going on here. We could not reach that requirement, but he came in the flesh and reached it for us so that the law might be fulfilled in us. The law was only powerful enough to be a mirror. This morning I woke up and I did not know what I was going to wear. And my wife, she takes a long time to get ready, so I have plenty of time to try different outfits on. So there are times where I put on a fit and I'm like, okay, let me look in the mirror. We have a body mirror next to my closet. And I'm like, am I fly or no? The thing that the mirror can do is let me see how I am. Whether I'm fly or not, the mirror has no power to change what it shows me. All the mirror can do is show me what I look like. What I have to do is do the work to change what the mirror shows me. So the law is like that. The commandments are like that. The scriptures are like that. It shows us who God is and who we are. But it doesn't have the power to change us. But the spirit of God does. The son of God did. So the son of God died. 
and fulfilled that requirement and then gave us the spirit to help us be fly, like the mirror said. I'm just playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. You can be fly, but not all Christians are. It's cool. Um, Jesus was sent to meet the requirement of what the mirror exposed to us. Before the law, we could not be held accountable to sin because we did not know his standard. He gave us the law to show his standard and how holy he was. We saw how holy and how trash, and we said, God, we need help. And he sent Jesus and said, even after Jesus, you still need help. So I'm going to send my spirit to dwell in you. Like I said uh, a few Sundays ago, anytime we're obedient, it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Anytime you understand anything in the word, it's because of the Holy Spirit. It's the helper that gives us the power to overcome sin. Freedom number three. We almost done, y'all. I know the game is on. I know we got pizza. I'm, I'm running through it. Freedom number three. We are, and pay attention to this last one, we are free from the position of sin. Mm. First the punishment, then the power, but also the position of sin. I'm going to read 3A and 4, 3B, I'm sorry. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of law might be fulfilled in us, here's the repositioning, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In Genesis, because of the fall, Adam and Eve lost their position or their standing with God. It said that before they sinned, they walked with God, talked with God, they had fellowship with God. But you remember that mirror shows us how holy he is and how sinful we are. And once sin entered in, our position with him changed. There was now a separation between us and God. Sin repositioned us. If you look at old, the Old Testament, even those who were his prophets, those who were called by him, they would moan and groan because they still felt the separation between them and God. There's a lot of Psalms where it's just, God, you feel so far, but I hear you speaking. You feel, you feel so far, but my position, I can't feel your presence. I literally have to have to send a priest ahead of me to position themselves to the place that I cannot. But how many of you know that in Christ, we have been repositioned, and now we can freely enter into his presence. The intimacy that we lost because of sin, we now have, not because of me, not because of my name, not because I'm so good, but because of how good Jesus was. He gave me his righteousness, which repositioned me before God. I once was an enemy of God. I once was a foe from God. I once was not under God's mastership. But now he repositioned me to be a friend, a son, a daughter. Well, I like this next one, an heir. Because everyone he created bears his image. But until we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are not in right position with him in order to feel and experience this fulfilled life. So we've been freed from the punishment of sin, from the power of sin, and from the position of sin. Those are the three freedoms that we can experience today. 
But the good news is, there's freedom that's coming tomorrow. Somebody say tomorrow. tomorrow. Because even though I'm free from the power of sin, I'm free from the punishment of sin, I'm free from the position of sin, there's still chaos in the world. There's still tragedy happening in the world. And many times people who don't believe in God and some who do, they tend to look at us and say, why would God allow this to happen? If God is good, why do these things keep happening? When good things happen, we like to ascribe that to God. But when bad things happen, oh my gosh, I thought God was good. What happened? Sin continues to show us the power that it still has in the earth. And that should make you long for the hope that we have tomorrow. We were never meant to be comfortable as Christians with this life today. God will always leave enough reminders for us to be like, okay, I'm enjoying this life, but that life that I'm waiting on is going to be so much better. It's, gonna, it's like in, in the verse that, that Robin read. Go ahead and go with me to verse 18. It says, yet we suffer now, but it is not compared to the glory that he will reveal later. It says all creation. That means not even just Christians, but all creation is eagerly waiting for when God will reveal who his children really are. Verse 20, against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit with us. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. But if we look forward to something we don't have, we must wait patiently and confidently. As the band comes up, I want to give you a little glimpse of tomorrow. Can I do that for you? I want to read a little glimpse of tomorrow because it says all creation is waiting on this. And especially us who have the spirit of God, we're waiting on this. The book of Revelation gives us glimpses of this future hope and this future glory. Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to read this. And I want you to stand because if you are a believer in God, then this is something you can hope for. This is something that is coming for all of us. The new heaven and the new earth. Revelation chapter 21. John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people and God himself 
will be with them as their God. Here's my favorite part, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, he is Jesus. Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. He also said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water life without payment. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the freedom that you've given us today. We thank you that we no longer have to bear the weight of the punishment of sin. We thank you that we are no, no longer held bondage and captive to the power of sin. And we thank you that Christ repositioned us so that we could be made right and be close to you. We enjoy these freedoms today. We look forward to the new heaven and the new earth that will come when you return. We look forward to the day where you'll wipe every tear from our eyes and that there will no longer be death, no longer be crying, no longer be mourning, no longer be tragedy, no longer be sin in the earth. But all there will be is your glory and your presence forever and ever. Lord, keep us, hold us, strengthen us as we have to make it today and wait on tomorrow. Lord, we thank you for freeing us. And God, as we worship, may we be filled with the joy and the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.